Hello, and welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Network podcast, where everyone belongs, especially if you think you don't. Welcome, imposters. My name is Chris Grundeman, and unfortunately, Zoe Rose is not with us today. She is at Cisco Live doing her thing there. Um, and by that, since you're listening to this on the 8th of August, you now know how far in advance we record these, but uh, she's out for today. However, we do have an amazing guest. Uh, this is the Chris Malater episode. It's going to be great. Chris is a career network engineer and engineering leader with 25 years of experience. He's an interconnection expert and an all-around good dude. Hey, Chris, would you please introduce yourself a bit further to the Imposter Syndrome Network? Hey, Chris. So I'm currently the Vice President Network and Interconnection at Coresight. I'm the Chairman of the Board at PeeringDB, volunteer organization, and that's about it for, for right now. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That works. I did mention that you are an interconnection expert and, and you talked about being on the, you know, the chair of the board for PeeringDB. So we'll probably get to more of that volunteer work and, and that you do and have done in that space. Plus, we'll obviously talk about that role at CoreSight and what that entails. But I actually want to start by exploring the bigger picture a bit, as this is a space near and dear to my heart as well. When you say you are working on improving interconnection, uh, as I think you do on your LinkedIn profile, what does that mean? What does it mean? So, you know, basically a lot of this goes to do with my day job and, you know, how, how we take out hops in the interconnection, how we improve the fiber, how we lessen the impact of the plant to our customers. It could be anything from splice bypass where we're removing the IDF as a connection point and turning it into a splice point, or, you know, it's as simple as moving to an AC. APC, angle polish connector, MDF. So rather than having this traditional UPC, we, we have APC in our newest facilities. And then, you know, my role in PeeringDB, truly everything we can do to reduce the friction of getting interconnection going is what we're focused on. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I mean, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's cool that there's, especially at CoreSight, right? These different ways, even all the way down to layer one, that can actually make this stuff better and, and bring things together. In a lot of ways, I mean, right, like the internet gets compared to the highway system or railroads or, or stuff like that all the time. And one of the things that railroads and highway systems and, and, and I guess, you know, airplane routes and all that stuff has done is, is shrunk the world. And I'm guessing, right, I mean, at least I, I think the way it works is interconnections kind of doing that as well through the internet, right? It's, it's kind of bringing everybody closer together in some ways, whether it's by milliseconds or route miles or whatever. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that as we evolve the ecosystem, at the edge and we start to see more tier two and tier three um, cities become traditional classic interconnection hubs, you're going to start to see interconnection becoming very, very local. And I think that that's, we may not be in that position for another five years, but I think, I think fundamentally that that is the direction that we're heading. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. So you know, diving into that from kind of, you know, or maybe kind of angling off from that a little bit, right? I think your title is VP of Network and Interconnection at CoreSight. And kind of in total, that's almost, you know, almost 12 years in that role or around that company anyway. I wonder, what do you tell strangers that don't know anything about the internet or, or interconnection, what you do when they ask what you do? Like, how do you describe what you do to, to people who don't, aren't on the inside <laughs> of this? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, if you ask, uh, if you ask my mom and my dad, uh, I work with computers 
Um, if you ask, you know, my aunt and uncle, I, I do that internet thing. And uh, to, to, you know, to anyone walking up off the street, you know, I say, fundamentally, my job is to connect customer A to customer B, whether it be Google, Sprint, you know, Cogent, it doesn't matter. My job is to get the customers connected together. Nice. Nice. I think that's a good description. And then what does that mean in practical terms? Like, what do you actually do? What, what, what are your days spent doing? If somebody's, you know, thinking about, hey, VP of Network and Interconnection, that sounds like a cool job. Like, what are they actually in store for? I mean, what, you know, what's the day-to-day actually look like? I don't, I don't have a traditional day-to-day. I, I mean, I really don't. We, we have so much work going on. It's, <laughs> it's not funny. Um, so, you know, fundamentally, we have buildings, you know, we're getting buildings out there. So there's, let's start at the beginning. We started the design. We have, we have a new design that we're going to use for SV9 and NY3. And in this design, we don't have any IDFs. So none, zero. It's just splice trades. And that's a, that's a radical departure for us. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, because we won't have any copper in our buildings. And a couple of data center providers have, uh, have done this already. You know, they've, they've said, we're done. We're done with copper. And uh, we followed along and we said, hey, you know, it's been 20 years since uh, <laughs> I, I walked into the, the role and people said, you know, T1s are going away and T1s are still here. So, you know, it, it's time to put a pole in the pole in the sand and say, it's time to do away with copper. So that's probably the biggest time suck of, of what my job is, is the architecture and design of, of our new builds. And then the next is, you know, we got a ton of equipment that are, that's out there that we need to maintain. And so we have various maintenance programs that, that are going on at any given time. And that's a big chunk of energy. And then we have a group that's dedicated to automation and they're taking old, old processes and automating it. And that's, you know, the other chunk of my day. And uh, between those three chunks and a couple other groups uh, within the broader American Tower organization, that's uh, pretty much what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's cool. You know, one thing that strikes me, and, and I do want to talk about, you had like a short departure from Corsite that I want to, want to touch on, but but before that, you know, kind of just in this, right, 11 years and six months, I think, is, is the math I did on a full tenure there. So in technology, right, that's that's maybe a thousand years. I don't know, right? I mean, for, for a lot of people's technology careers, that's, that's a hugely long time to be at one organization. So I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about, about building a career within a single organization, because that may be some, somewhat foreign to a lot of other technology professionals. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I came in as a director. I got lucky. I applied for a, a senior network engineer job. And... Uh, my boss at the time, to get my salary where it needed to be, graded me in as a director, which was super cool. And, you know, I moved up to senior director and vice president through the years. And, you know, I'd say you can job hop and make a lot more money. I can guarantee you that. But for me, quality of life has been a big aspect of, of what I'm looking for. And this company is an outstanding company from a quality of life, from a um, family oriented, everything like that. It's, uh, I had a new employee start on my team a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know, one of the reasons why that I like it here is that assholes don't last. (laughs) I mean, and they really don't, if you are, if you are a mean person or you have a negative attitude, you will, you will not last long at Corsite. And that, 
that family attitude, that positive attitude. It's, it, it's addicting. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it sounds good. We, we talked to, um, Phil Koblenz, um, the, the founder of, uh, of NYI. And obviously he's in a little bit of a different situation because it's kind of his company and he's been there for a long time for that reason, I guess. But he talked about this idea of being a creature of comfort and, and, you know, coming in and like almost having, you know, maybe not quite a family, but, but having coworkers that, you know, you respect and admire and, and the place you go to every day, you actually enjoy being and being around these people. And it sounds like that's, that's a big part of your journey as well. Absolutely. Like from, I, I could walk into the CEO's office and I could walk into, you know, the a security sock in a data center and have the same get it done attitude from the people. And, and I love, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think culture plays a lot. Well, it was somebody, I mean, some like uh, venture capitalist person, one of the famous ones said something about, you know, culture eating strategy for lunch or something. And yeah, that culture part matters a lot. It does. You know, some people are all about the money. Absolutely. And, and you know, I could have made a lot more money job hopping. I'll tell you that. But having a family, raising a family, flexibility that's afforded to me by, you know, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, school, this, you know, whatever. I don't need to take time off. It's just, Hey, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. And and that's, that's a big part of it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, I think, you know, people talk a lot about work-life balance as if there's kind of these two separate spheres and you've got to like draw this line and like keep one on each side and like try and weigh the scales. But, but really I think it's more about work-life integration, right? It's really about being able to live your life with this job. Well, yeah, I don't like the word integration. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Why not? Because I don't really think that I, I don't want to, I don't want to integrate my work into my family. And so I like to balance, you know, earlier in my career, I, it was all work all the time and that didn't leave a lot of room for family. So definitely culture and work-life balance is, is important. And I would not integrate it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I like that. So, so you mentioned that you know maybe if you had job hopped, you could be making more money. I know that there there was one little job hop, and I don't want to like um, you went to Deep Edge, but only for about four months. And, and Deep Edge, for those who don't know, is, is kind of I guess kind of a competitor to Corsite right there, but they're smaller, scrappier, like they're tinier startup kind of thing. What, what what led you to leave, and what led you to come right back? What, was that a mistake, or was it a learning experience, or was it just something you know project? Yeah. A learning experience. Um, and I'm not going to say why I left and what have you, but I will say it was a, an awesome experience. Deep Edge has some great data centers in some tier two, tier three markets. I think they're going to be, I think they could be wildly successful if managed properly. And, you know, it was a learning experience for me to get my hands dirty and actually work on the physical plant, you know, the power, the cooling, all that stuff that I don't deal with at all at Corsair. And to see that, you know, not at Corsair scale, but at still at smaller building scale, it was, it was super interesting and, and super experience. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is good, right? I mean, maybe, you know, just getting that different perspective, because I think the downside of, of working at one place for a really long time, in my view, is you end up almost inherently learning that company's way of doing things or, or the, even the way you do things at that company. And you don't even get to see yourself in this other, you know, environment where, oh shit, there's these other things that can happen. And, and maybe you get some new ideas and stuff from, from an experience like that. I would guess anyway. Absolutely. So we try to promote about 50% within and 50% externally it, for exactly for that reason. We do not want only course item like raised employees to be, to be working for us. We want people from outside of our, our organization to to come in and, and, you know, hopefully set us straight and tell us what we're doing right to what we're doing wrong. Yeah. 
So I'm curious, um, you know, I think I mentioned in the, in, in the intro, right? You're somewhere like tw- 25 years into your career, something like that. And so almost half of it has been at CoreSight, but, but not all of it. I'm, I'm curious as to kind of where you started and, and maybe even not just in technology, but, you know, what was your first ever job? And then how did that, like, how did you end up in technology from, from there? So my first ever job was working for a little town north of Madison, Wisconsin, in uh, the public works department. I worked a summer job there and it was the most backbreaking hard work I've ever done in my life. It, I, I'm, I give those people so much respect because I could, I, I, I wouldn't want to do it. And then, um, after that, I got a, my mom knew a guy <laughs> that did this internet thing and thought maybe I'd be interested. And, uh, it was back, you know, in the days where dial up was king. And Daryl Budick is his name, and he's still in the industry today. Yes, he is. I was on a call with him earlier today. That's funny. <laughs> he was my first boss. He hired me to do tech support for an internet service provider that he owned. And that internet service provider merged into, you know, a bigger internet service provider slash phone company. And then that phone company got bought by TDS, a large nationwide phone company. And, uh, it was there that, you know, I learned how to, how to scale and how to, to leverage traffic to get what you wanted in peering relationships <laughs> and uh, cut my teeth on doing interconnection for real. Then after that, took a job hop to Broadwing strictly for money. <laughs> and I had to get out of Madison. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't uh, make money in Madison and do this, this internet thing. So I job hopped to Chicago. And uh, went to work for Broadwing, who had it would it was recently after the Focal integration and uh, or Focal acquisition, and uh, okay, I was actually working at the Focal Pop for Broadwing, so that was that was interesting, and I did that for a couple of years, um, two, three, four, something like that. It's so long ago, I don't remember. Yeah, and uh, they announced that they were getting bought by Level Three, and uh, I didn't want to stick around for that bloodbath. So, uh, <laughs> sure. I job hopped to uh, a financial services company called Seven Ticks that's now like interactive data or something like that. They, they've done several iterations. Um, they've done really well with it for themselves. But when I was there, it was like nine of us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Busted our butt day and night. That was a, that was a good treat back to startup life. <laughs> yeah. And then I jumped to from there to switching data. And that started okay. my uh, um, probably, I don't know, 16, 17-year career with data centers. So I yeah, uh, okay. started with switching data. And we built out a bunch of new sites while, while I was working there. And then Equinix acquired us. And uh, I worked for Equinix for a while. And then I decided uh, my time had come to an end with Equinix. And I uh, jumped to Corset. And I've been here ever since. Well, other than the, the little sabbatical. Cool. So, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot is I think, you know, the entry into careers has changed quite a bit from when we got in um, to, to like what's going on now with, with somebody who, you know, maybe young and trying to get in now. I wonder along that path, I mean, obviously, and the reason I say that is I think folks of our generation within the industry had to kind of self-learn a lot of this stuff because there yeah. weren't, there weren't books, there wasn't YouTube videos. <laughs> I don't think there even was YouTube at the, t- <laughs> at the time. 
So, you know, in all of that, in that kind of, you know, bootstrapping self-learning, did you have any mentors along the way that kind of helped along or, or was this really just kind of you paving your way and finding your path or, or how did that work? No, I mean, I, I, Daryl, Daryl is a huge mentor to me for a long time. And, uh, so Simon Atwell, he, you don't know him. He, he lives in Australia and works there now. He was uh, another mentor to, for me at TDS, David Cook and Kevin Roberts, um, definitely looked out for me while I was there. Tony, um, God, what was his name? I'm just blanking on his name at Broadwing. Um, he's at, um, neutral tandem now or no peerless. He's at peerless. Tony was a big advocate of me at Broadwing and, uh, at Switch of Data. Um, some, uh, monsters there, uh, Wayne Rio, Chris Casada, uh, were both instrumental in, in my progress and my hires at, uh, Switch of Data. And, uh, you know, I'd probably say since I've been at course, I, I've probably been a mentor to more people than had been a mentor to me. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Know, in terms of management and not management, you know, skills and stuff like that. My first boss, who's now retired, his name was Dominic Tobin, was uh, a big impact on how I manage people. And, uh, you know, just he helped structure my management style. Nice. How would you describe that management style? <laughs> I give you enough rope to hang yourself. And, uh, you know, hopefully you hopefully don't use that rope wisely. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I like it. I like it. That makes sense to me. I have a really laid back style, you know? So are you able to have a laid back style because you hire well or, or just, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing maybe I'm inferring there that if you, if you have the right team, then you don't have to be on top of them every day. So what do you look for when you're hiring somebody to, to, to know that they're going to use the rope for the right thing? <laughs> um, well, so for one, I got gifted an awesome employee. His name's Jerome. He's one of my direct reports and, uh, I haven't had to do much. He, uh, he gets it. He has a sense of urgency. You know, what I look for, what I look for when I hire is, are you nice? Are you going to fit in with the team? Number one. And number two, a sense of urgency. And those are two things I can't train. Pretty much anything else besides those two things, I can train. And if you got it, you got it. And if you don't, I don't want you. <laughs> that makes sense. I like that a lot. I talk about passion, but I think sense of urgency may even be a better way to talk about it. Or maybe, maybe they're, you know, they're related parallel yeah. pieces. Yeah. Cause I find that if people genuinely want to do the job that you're giving them, they will have that sense of urgency, right? They will, they will, they'll drive it forward. They'll push it. They'll be the ones coming to you asking for more and, and asking for the next thing and, and making sure things happen. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. Cool. Well, so on the side, you know, I find it interesting, at least, you know, again, for me, the stuff I've done like within the industry and volunteer work and that kind of stuff has, has really driven my career. And obviously you said, you know, you're, you're the chair of the board of directors at Peering DB, and you've done other volunteer work before that. Is that volunteer work, you know, has that, is that something that's been going on for a long time that's kind of helped build your career or stuff you're doing now to give back? Or how, how do you view volunteerism in the industry kind of, you know, alongside your career? Uh, I'd, I'd say both, you know, some of it is a way to build my career, but some of it is obviously now it's not about building my career anymore. It's about giving back. So I'd say, you know, I, my, my first volunteer effort in the community was to be the chair of the Nanog mailing list uh, admin committee. <laughs> the most thankless job in the world. Um, and this was, I bet. this was back in the merit days. This is, this is pre new Nog. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, Susan Harris was, was still there and it was Susan and Randy and 
Randy Bush and all of them. And it was no fun. And you're trying to moderate that, that mailing list to some degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can imagine. I, I unsubscribed and went to digest after I did that. <laughs> that <laughs> Once you're off the, you're like, all right, I did, I've had enough with this mailing list for a while. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then I went to, uh, open Yeah. And, uh, I volunteered for open for two years. Again, trying to improve interconnection. That's uh, definitely, if you, if you look at it consistent yeah. through my career. Um, and then, um, you know, I've been on the board of directors for appearing to be for two years and, uh, reelected for a second term. And, uh, I was elected uh, president this, for this term. And it's a little crazy. And we're going to have to choose a new secretary treasurer soon and, uh, big decisions. So we got to put on it. Got to put on our big boy pants. Yep. Yeah. And that's nice. I mean, that, that is cool, right? Like being able to have, for lack of a better term, right? That synergy of, of doing multiple things that all actually have the same goal. Yep. At least for me, I'm able to do a lot more when I'm doing things like that, right? Because, you know, if you're, if you're volunteering and working and for me now, kind of out on my own, I'm, I'm actually doing like kind of two or three jobs, but they're all in that same vein. Mm-hmm. And so it, it all kind of fits together. And it sounds like that's been the same for you. Yeah, absolutely. Really focused on interconnection. Yeah. So, you know, obviously have had a pretty awesome career. The position you're at is enviable by, by many. I think it's a great spot to be at at a great company, um, doing a lot of work, giving back, you know, through, so through all that success, I'm really curious if you could tell us about a time when you failed completely. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Failed completely. I don't know. I mean, we'll go back to the internet days. There were many times where we failed completely. Um, sure. <laughs> there weren't any, there were any, like you said, there weren't any books, there weren't any guides. There was just us, you know, it's like we had, we had a router in Barrie, Wisconsin that just forgot static routes periodically. Fun. Hey, cool. <laughs> Want to add that static route back in there? Um, <laughs> or, you know, we had, we'd be, uh, cleaning up a pop, whatever, and oops, <laughs> got the power. <laughs> huh. Yeah, flip that back on. You know, I mean, so stuff like that happened all the time when, well, in the old days, the days beyond time. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that anymore. No, no, everything's uh, five nines and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, synthetic testing going on all the time. So even if nobody notices, somebody still notices. Yeah, if you have a switch reload, took three minutes, say, we need a, we need a RCA for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So absolutely. On the more recent times, I mean, we have some had doozy outages. Not recently, though. We've been pretty good recently. I mean, we had some in LA where we had some software bugs that just cascaded through our through our core and took the whole core down for twenty four hours. Oof. We had we had a DWM Oof, platform yeah. in New York that just randomly would turn channels on, turn channels off was crazy the ghost in the machine that's that that's us that stuff's the most frustrating i think right when it's just it was so shouldn't even it shouldn't be possible no one screwed up it's just uh ugh. yep yep that one was special because uh me and uh one of my one of my employees actually it was saturday it had you know it happened three or four times this this time it happened on a saturday and we literally i literally went to the airport and he he got in his car he was in he was in Virginia. We flew to New York, or I flew to New York. He drove to New York. We went and like cut the customers onto a new platform to get away. Oh wow! It was it was 
Yeah. We decided, nope, we're done. We're going to go unbox it and just do it. So wild. That's a heck of a weekend uh, or week or whatever it was. Yeah. No, that was a heck of a day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, that's just about all the time we have for today. Uh, I know that's a bummer. Chris, we talked about a lot of the stuff you're working on. Is there any other projects or, or things you're, you know, working on that you want people to be aware of or, or stuff, you know, anything to promote or what's going on that uh, folks in the imposter network should know about beyond what we talked about? Anything? No, I mean, I, I think people should know about, you know, if you're in interconnection space, you should definitely know about PeeringDB. You should definitely be um, registered on PeeringDB.gov and be active and participate in what we're doing. And other than that, um, and have a great week. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, thanks for sharing your story with the Imposter Syndrome Network. And thank you to all of our listeners for your attention and your support. If you found this conversation informative and entertaining, please consider sharing it with a friend, uh, a colleague, a family member, or a student who could benefit from the insight our guests bring every week. But wait, Chris, I do have one more question for you, if you don't mind. Over 25 years of working around networks, being on teams, building teams, and, and all that that entails, what would you say is the most valuable lesson you've learned in your career so far? Be nice. Seriously. You don't know who you're dealing with half the time, and all you can do is be nice and be a genuine person. And that's my advice. I like it. I like be nice. That's good. I actually uh, have it in, I, I have this little uh, like sheet where I keep track of kind of my personal goals and stuff that I try to look at at least once a week. And at the top of it, in bold, it says, be nice. I like it. Because I need to remind myself sometimes. I'm not always great at it. I don't know about you. (laughs) I I hear you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we will be back next week. So I've got... Twitter, Macedon, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and just so you're, huh? You found my Mastodon? Yeah, I don't know how. I forget now. I because <laughs> I put these notes together like before the we were supposed to record the first time. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm like looking at it, I'm like discovering like, oh, I put all. I, I'm, I'm pretty smart, man. I did my like I did my research here. It's cool. <laughs> I had no idea.